0: I'm just jumping on to introduce an episode that I released on my Work and Live Large podcast. A, just let you know that I'm around and uh, and B, you might be interested in the content because it's really linked to our facilitation slash consulting practice and some reflections that I picked up from my recent trip to Kauai um, with Ellen Weiss. And you know that he's been a huge part of this First Time Facilitator show, so I thought I'd share it on this feed as well. Of course, I encourage you to jump over to the other poddy to listen in. Um, but also a quick announcement that I am running a live program for Booked Out Facilitator. It's the only one I'm running this year. You need to get on the wait list to be part of it. Or if you're on my email newsletter, you'll find out. Head on over to leannehughes.com forward slash subscribe or even just head to bookedoutfacilitator.com. That will be happening in August. Plus a couple of masterclasses I'll be delivering um, in the lead up to that. That's all happening. Um, I hope you're doing really well. I hope your workshops are amazing. I know there's like a sense that, uh, virtual is still happening which I love but I also love being in person and so I've had a really couple of cool like offsite opportunities lately been in front of hundreds of people and also what I share in this Hawaiian episode is just how cool it is to be around people again I hope you're getting that feeling as well I hope you're doing really well reach out if you have any questions or if you want to send the show some love uh, I always love connecting with you and hearing from you all right here's the episode enjoy Life's too short, so you're here to work and live large. Here's your host with nothing to lose, Leanne Hughes. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you imagine what's possible is possible for you. And look, when it comes to possibilities, I just love, and maybe it's a very expensive hobby that I have. Well, it's not a hobby, I, I put it down as a professional development expense, but traveling internationally to learn from people is like my favorite thing to do. It's the best part about being a business operator is getting the choice to do it. It's a luxury of having the privilege to be able to do it. Um, one of the things that I miss the most about being in corporate was having like a professional development budget, but now it's like I'm my own boss. So I get to decide which trips I go on. Uh, the reason I'm sharing that is because I have just returned from a trip to Kauai, Hawaii, uh, right back in Brisbane on Monday. And in my latest Two by Tuesday newsletter, I shared the top ten things that I learned when I was over there. But I thought I'd expand on a few of those points. I won't go into tremendous detail, but I want to give you some sort of high-level overview of what was learned for a few reasons. One, I just love this stuff, and, and, and I find it extremely nourishing, and it gives me a new perspective and a framework for thinking about things. So that's useful for you. And honestly, and very selfishly, it's as I reflect on my notes, there is no better way of reinforcing. What was most important to me in this moment by sharing it with you as well? And I'm just really keen to open up a conversation on any of these points. So if you are, if you resonate with any of these, if you find them interesting, if you want more detail, like let me know. Just send me a message on any of the social platforms or email hello at leannehughes.com. Let's dive right in. First, I'll set the stage on why I was even over there. As many of you know, if you've listened to this podcast, one of the early episodes was my first uh, was my first international trip in a few years, and that was to Las Vegas to see Alan Weiss. He's the Million Dollar Consultant. And uh, I met Alan through my original podcast called First Time Facilitator, where he just shared some things that blew my mind. And since then, I've been working with him. And in the last 12 months, this has been part of, I've been working with him as part of a a group called The Growth Cycle. It's kind of like a mastermind. There are seven of us consultants that are part of that group from across the US, Canada, Japan, Australia as well. And we meet every two weeks on Zoom for 90 minutes. Alan jumps in, uh, I think every second meeting he's there. But more recently, he's been at every meeting, which has been great. Uh, And we ask him a lot of questions about business, about delivery, execution, consulting, uh, creating a great life. And we've been meeting for 10 months, but we've never met in person. I met Lisa, one of the consultants in Vegas, but that was it. So this was our first time to get together. And so that's a big deal, right? To get seven people committed to a date and then flying into this one tiny island uh, in the Pacific was, was pretty awesome. So, what was the point of, of flying in? I think we all know what it's like. We've all been connecting with people on on Zoom. There is just nothing better, though, than three dimensional time together. And I, of course, it just reinforces the magic of of being together. And, and ideally, like if you're going to jump into a group like this, you have a meeting like we had in Hawaii at the beginning of your group. So then you can just like hit the time running with it. Um, You accelerate the connections, you accelerate your understanding of how people operate um, and who they are as humans. As much as we try to do that through our conversations on Zoom, it's the incidental stuff that happens that you really get to know what people are like. So just a shout out to those uh, consultants, if they're listening, it was really fun and awesome to hang out with you last week. The other great thing about it is, of course, we pick a great location. So I think in the past, Alan has run these sessions in Milan, in Italy, uh, Paris, London, um, Hawaii's he been to a, a few times, Florida. So as a group, you get to decide where to go. And so Hawaii was basically probably the only place that was, we'd all have fairly equal travel time to get there. Uh, Kauai itself. It was never really on my bucket list to go there, but wow, what a place. Just so beautiful. I've got to say though, we, (laughs) so we have two official days with Alan. The first day was um, my, uh, Lisa had booked this meeting room at one of the the venues. I won't call it out here, but we got there and it was just like no natural light. There was this air conditioner that was, was either hot or the air conditioner would kick in and we couldn't hear anyone. It was like just a really not inspiring, if I could put it that way, not inspiring meeting room. Uh, And then Alan suggested we just meet at his place the next day at his condo, which had these beautiful glass doors overlooking. It was just beachfront uh, and stunning. And as a result, the second day I found it more relaxing, more enjoyable than the first, even though the first was great. The content-wise, I think from my own energy perspective, and ability to be inspired, but definitely the second day felt much better to me. Um, before I jump into what we spoke about in those sessions, I think group travel is – it is not difficult, particularly – I think it's easy when you have someone that's assigned a role. Like, if you go on a group tour, a group tour there is a, a host, there is a guide, there's someone there that's leading control, and by nature, by their role, they take charge. Because we're all peers, I think – like, no, it was like, who's taking charge here? Should I take charge? Am I being too controlling? Or should I just be more laid back? Like all the stuff comes up. And so it was really nice just actually nice and fun to experience that because as a solo consultant, I'm just steering my own ship every day. So it's kind of fun to get back into the group dynamics and seeing how things work. And I, I'm I am obsessed with group dynamics. So I, I love seeing the stuff being part of it figuring out my place how vocal should I be should I step back what do I do what is going on what's what's happening with this group so I love that but I'm also I mean I'm fiercely autonomous as well Uh, I love just deciding and going for things so I really had to manage my own uh, I'm very aware of that so I had to manage my own level of like okay Leanne like you're part of a group here so don't be as autonomous as you would usually be um, on your own trip so it is important to establish roles. And the good thing about that, we had Jeff in Canada, shout out. He he just right at the beginning said, right, I'll pay for all the meals and then I'll do the calculations and we'll split the cost at the end. So it's just nice for someone like that just to step up. Um, you know, we could have assigned roles like who is organizing transport? Like you just do it all. Who is organizing the reef activity? and and be really specific about that. But anyway, it's fun just to make it also a little bit chaotic as well. Uh, in terms of Kauai itself, in ter- I think it took about total 16 and a half hours from Brisbane to get there. At the moment, they're not flying direct through Brisbane to Honolulu. So three flights. Probably the hardest part is just waiting between, Like I think it's only 22 minutes to get from Honolulu to Kauai, but Nicole and I had to wait three hours just to get on that flight. By the way, If you are going to Kauai, like if you can hire a car, um, it is very difficult to get around. Uber is not like it's, yeah, it's tricky. You're waiting 30 minutes to get Ubers. We found an amazing driver though. Her name is Aurora. Shout out to her. If you are going to Kauai and you need a driver, just send me a message and I'll send you her details. She has an eight seater and wow, such a cool attitude. Awesome human. If you do like sleeping in, Kauai may not be the place for you. There are chickens everywhere and they start going crazy from about 3.30 in the morning, which Paul and I couldn't believe. We were like, what? Like, it's so dark. Why are the chickens going off? I didn't mind it because I was, I like getting up early. Uh, Beautiful coastal running scenery, just stunning scenery, full stop. Um... The hotel I stayed at was great. The ISO hotel, fantastic. Reviews weren't that great, but it was awesome. I loved it. Very convenient, right on the ocean, had a Safeway and Starbucks across the road. The food in Kauai is sensational. Think tuna steaks, real steaks, uh, purple sweet potato, like a bright purple clams, seafood is uh, is beautiful, prawns, uh, the drinks, pineapple mojitos, pineapple martinis, the local beer. All right, quick background on what the event is actually all about when we catch up, like why Alan is there. Well, we basically want this to be a little bit different to our normal uh, bi-weekly Zoom sessions with Alan. So rather than asking transactional type questions, we want it to be more strategic. Like, what do I want to do with my life? Am I going in the right direction what should I need to? What do I need to focus on? Double down on? What do I need to stop? Like more of those type of questions, as opposed to, how do I talk to a client about X, Y, Z? Uh, so before we had our two days with Alan, we actually met up the day before. We went on a hike together. Then we uh, had showers and brainstormed the questions we wanted to talk to Alan about the next day. Paula then put these into fantastic categories, and some of these included our own manifesto. A mindset, motivation, strategy, thought, leadership, etc. We had quite a big list. Um, so I want to share some key insights with you, but I think um, above all of the key insights, what I find most useful when I work with Alan, when I see Alan in action is just the way that he thinks about things, just doesn't accept things the way they are. And we constantly had discussions around how to disrupt yourself. And the question always revolves around, how do you make things simpler and easier? Like how do you that, that that's basically the fundamentals around it. And, and I think as consultants, as facilitators, as speakers, we all want to do more. We want to give more value. We want to create the best experience. We want to throw on the kitchen sink. And we try to chase for perfection sometimes in the work that we do when really success is what we're after. And I think it's all it's like it's always about driving the result, but you've really got to think for the client, what is the best way and in their interest to do it? And a lot of the time, sometimes we come in to work with a client. We we have formulas, we have our twelve steps and processes, the ways that we like to work. But we constantly need to think, what do they actually need? And really, what can we remove? And how do we get there them there as quickly and as easily as easily as possible? How do we drive that result? The result has got to be front of mind. And then you think about, okay, well, why do we overcompensate? And usually, it's built around fear. So if I'm charging a certain amount, I want it to be worth it. And sometimes we just stack everything in there so to make us feel better when it actually isn't in the client's interest. The line that Alan said that really struck me is that consulting is simple, but we make it more complex because of low self-esteem. So some lessons I actually did do, I wrote down 10 key lessons I learned and I did a TikTok video, Instagram. I shared it in my Two by Tuesday email newsletter, which you can subscribe over at leannehughes.com forward slash subscribe. Um, but I thought I'd do a bit of a deep dive into some of my favorites. So the first one is be provocative and not promotional. So when it comes to promoting what you offer, people don't like being sold to. So what you want to do instead is provoke thinking. Alan constantly says the best thing that you can hear from someone is, oh, I never thought about it that way. We had a conversation around mission, vision, and values, both in the context of uh, setting that for ourselves in our businesses, but also helping clients establish their mission, 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 vision, and values. Um, and, and and a provocative statement Alan said, which again made me think, oh, I never thought about it that way, is that we always say mission critical, but we never say it's vision critical or it's values critical. And that's really true. So if you are working with a client or even thinking about your own business, the most important thing if you want to sort of make it simpler and easier for yourself is actually just to focus on what is your mission. That is the most critical part. And I do want to give a shout out. While I don't love Simon Sinek, his book, uh, Find Your Why, it's actually a very good practical manual to help you and your teams and leaders figure out what is your why, like through just a nice process that seems to work. So for first time facilitators, reflecting on this, my mission was to stamp out boring workshops around the world forever because life is too short to waste time in these. I think you can have specific missions for maybe big projects that you're working on, but to even pull it up even more, I was trying to think about like, what is this? I don't know if I've landed on it yet, but I definitely think my overall calling is to help people trust in their own judgment and therefore have more confidence and security to move towards where they really want to go. Really what I want to help people with, maybe you're listening to this, is just about helping you back yourself I just see so many wonderful, talented, brilliant people out there that are not sharing ideas, not putting their hand up, not getting great opportunities or sort of waiting. Um, And I really think that's linked to the premise behind this podcast, which is work and live large. Let's talk about clarity. I am constantly searching for clarity, like clarity in what I offer, clarity in terms of what I do, like what am I actually, what is my plan? And again, something provocative Alan said was, if you can live in ambiguity, you can be happy, and to stop this crazy search for clarity. And he said that because we can never have full clarity because of how dramatically the world is shifting. So his advice was to think about mid-course corrections, and that's how you maintain and be more resilient. You need to be flexible, but also have the confidence in your judgments to make those adjustments, to make that move. It's really about being light on your feet. A conversation we had as well was about, and Adam Grant's been talking about this a lot, uh, is the concept of languishing. It's like, blah, I've got this, you know, wake up in the morning and that kind of feeling. And uh, Alan responded to that by saying that we do have to live our lives in a way that is thrilling, captivating, and challenging. And what is captivating is our calling. So that's why it goes back to that mission. Is our mission exciting enough for us to wake up in the morning and and get moving on it? And I do think languishing is, of course, it's linked with energy. And Alan spoke about people having batteries and some people have large batteries, some people have small batteries. And he says, you can't change your battery, but you can allocate your energy to get the best out of it. Otherwise, you can get burnt out or you can get bored. Um, And my favorite line probably from the whole two days was, nothing will drain your battery like doing boring things. <laughs> it's like, I completely agree with that. Um, and it's, you know you might be in a role where it's just boring you to tears and it's easy. And that's why challenging and captivating are really important as well. So I actually love that. So if you are languishing, it's trying to think about, let's go back to my calling. Is that exciting for me enough? Have I achieved that already? What else can I do to make it more challenging and compelling for me? There was a conversation around success and what is enough success? Like when do we stop chasing things? What he said was that uh, it's never enough. You can never have enough learning. You can never have enough travel, friends, or new experiences. And I agree with that. And I, I think you can never have enough new exciting podcasts to listen to as well. A really nice analogy he spoke about were chocks. So and this is he was talking about how he creates ip and one thing he said was at the airport and he was looking at these big planes and they had these chocks under the wheels. so what a chalk is it's a wedge shaped i think it's made of rubber or wooden blocks and these are used to prevent this uh sorry stop or prevent the motion of an airplane on the ground so like you know those little wedges they put in behind the wheels so the the plane doesn't actually roll around and he brought this metaphor into us as consultants, uh, even as humans, right? A lot of us have chocks that are preventing us from moving. So what we need to do is we need to identify our own chocks, that the things that are stopping us from proceeding. A good question to ask is, what do I need to do that I'm not currently doing? The follow-up question then is, why is that? So first of all, build an awareness of what the chock is and then figure out how to remove it. He also said a problem that comes that it can occur is that sometimes we use other people's metrics to guide what matters to us. So we really actually need to figure out what is important to us and choose our own metrics. So back on this um, IP generation, we did an exercise where we basically just looked out the window. We had two minutes to look out the window and to find something, observe something out there that we could relate to our own expertise and our own businesses. And so when we're sitting in this beautiful space, it's day two, you look out the window and there's these waves just crashing on the shore. So something that I said was, you can anticipate the wave, but you can't anticipate its intensity, much like the external forces that affect your organization. You know it's coming, but to what degree? And again, like, and I said this in the Vegas episode as well, there's actually like, there's ideas and opportunities and ways to connect thoughts, ju- like, all around us. We just need to be more present and to observe. Uh, and I love that. But also, I think it's also deciding on, you're not going to do it if you don't have a platform to share it on. And so, like, I, I LinkedIn is great for that. Like, I'll see something and put it on LinkedIn just as, a, as an idea. I've got to, I've got to actually use it. This, uh, this experience in Kauai, I've got this platform of the podcast, so I can, I can I'm able to channel it to, to to somewhere to some platform. So I think for you, just if you're listening and you want to create more ideas, uh, but you're not too sure where to put them, just find a platform for you where it is easy. Twitter can be good for it. Of course, you can write it down and store it on your own Google sheet, like whatever format works for you. Just try, if you can, to get it out of your head because when you you need a story or you need an idea and you're trying to reflect on it, you can't find it, that's, that's frustrating. But it's all about taking it a step further, that follow through. I've had this idea of observe this. I'm going to put it out there. That helps you reinforce it. It also helps your recall of it as well. There's so much more I could go into, but I'll just leave it there for now. Just this, some of the key highlights of this amazing trip. One thing that Alan spoke about was a, a poem called The Calf Path. And I put it down in my notes to read uh following the session. I thought I'd actually read out the poem to you. It is, it's there's like five different stanzas. It is a little bit long. But this poem really reflects one of the key insights I had when I read my uh Clifton Strengths tool result back in 2017. My number one strength is ideation, and it actually said in the report, You shudder when someone says, We've always done it this way. I really do I I really love challenging why things are done certain ways. And this poem is actually a really, really lovely articulation of that. So to end this podcast episode, I'll read you The Calf Path by Sam Foss. One day through the primeval wood, a calf walked home as good calf should, but made a trail all bent askew, a crooked trail as all calves do. Since then, 300 years have fled and I infer the calf is dead. But still he left behind his trail and thereby hangs my moral tale. The trail was taken up next day by a lone dog that passed that way. And then a wise bellwether sheep pursued the trail over vale and steep and drew the flock behind him too, as good bellwethers always do. And from that day over hill and glade, through those old woods, a path was made. And many men wound in and out and dodged and turned and bent about and uttered words of righteous wrath because twas such a crooked path but still they followed, do not laugh, the first migrations of that calf, and through this winding Woodway stalked because he wobbled when he walked. This forest path became a lane that bent and turned and turned again. This crooked lane became a road, where many a poor horse with his load toiled on beneath the burning sun and travelled some three miles in one, and thus a century and a half they trod the footsteps of that calf. The years passed on in Swiftness Fleet, the road became a village street and this before men were aware a city's crowded thoroughfare and soon the central street was this of a renowned metropolis and men two centuries and a half trod in the footsteps of that calf. Each day a hundred thousand drought followed the zigzag calf about and over his crooked journey went the traffic of a continent. A hundred thousand men were led by one calf, near three centuries dead, they followed still his crooked way, and lost one hundred years a day, for thus such reverence is lent to well established precedent. A moral lesson this might teach, where I ordained and called to preach, for men are prone to go it blind along the calf paths of the mind, And work away from sun to sun, to do what other men have done. They follow in the beaten track, and out and in, and forth and back, And still a devious course pursue, to keep the path that others do, they keep the path a sacred groove along which all their lives they move. But how the wise old wood gods laugh, who saw the first primeval calf? Ah, many things this tale might preach, but I am not ordained to preach. That was the calf path by Samfoss. I don't think I need to interpret it for you. I think I think we all know what is going on, and I just I guess a question to end this episode is. Are you following in the calf path? Is there a more direct way for you? How can you make your path simpler and easier? Talk to you next week.